Welcome back to the Down to Mars podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Rasheel. And it's GJ. You guys might have forgotten our names because it's been it's been a little <laughs> bit of a minute since the last episode, even though in the last episode we said, don't worry, we'll be back more more consistently. But um, being consistent, it turns out, is a little difficult when you have like a million different things that you're working on. So that's not an excuse, though. So no, it's not. I'm just saying we've we've been working on some different things and um now we really do promise we we actually have a, a couple of really interesting episode topics that will be more than a couple and we're going to be dropping them all this week yeah we're going to be dropping several episodes this week to play catch up and i can't wait to get into some of the stuff that we have to talk about yeah it's actually really exciting we're like podcast challenging ourselves to drop all of the episodes that we missed and get us back up to speed with one episode a week by filling in the gaps of all the weeks we missed yeah which I think is really only two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks and then this week, which means three episodes this week and then we'll be current. I can't believe that we're like at the end of October. That just hit me. The year, year is... is blitzing by. Yeah, this year's going by really fast. I know that's Super like a cliche fast. thing to say, but this year especially feels... I'm, I'm older than I've ever been. And <laughs> what they say is that like as you get older, time moves more quickly. And yeah, for sure. Wow. Um, okay, so you are leading the gut check segment this episode. Are we ready? Are you ready is I, the real question. I feel pretty ready. I decided that this week we were going to go with a little bit of a festive theme. Ooh, and, I'm intrigued. And given it's October mm-hmm. and it's Halloween. I'm all for that. We're going to call this segment the spook check spook check <laughs> the spook check okay i'm 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 hyped i'm ready all right. all right question one i know you like vampires a lot yeah who's the most likely monster to beat a vampire in a fight I, my instinct is to say a werewolf okay <laughs> favorite kids halloween costume that i've worn no just period my mind is flooding with images of kids in costumes. You gotta pick and one. And it's overwhelming. Um, oh, I'm gonna say Black Panther. I just saw a little Black Panther kid. It was the most, it was the cutest thing. It was the cutest thing. <laughs> I kind of figured that that's what you were going to say, which queued up this next question. Wow, you predicted. T'Challa or Tony Stark? T'Challa. Chadwick or Robert Downey? Chadwick. Really? I don't, I don't know why I said that. I feel like I just. You you lied like... straight to my face is what it's you just did. It's not a did. lie. It's just because I was thinking Black Panther and, and Tony Stark. You know what I'm saying? Like of I could I Yeah, but those two them. things are, aren't Yeah, but you asked one same. right after the other. It was like. Because they're, I do this all the time. Like every time I do the gut check, I ask like back to back questions. Trick. As soon as I said it, I cringed because I was like, no. Like, Ch- T'Challa Robert is Downey obviously Jr. doper right, wait, than going, Tony keep Stark. Keep going. We can't but get, Robert Downey Jr. Can't get is not less than Chadwick. Who the fuck is Chadwick? I agree. I'm just saying I slipped up and said the wrong answer. Chad, they were like okay oh to kill God. Chadwick in Infinity War. Please Spoiler continue. alert. You've seen, you've seen Please Infinity continue. War. Would you rather hear spooky howling wind or see a harmless ghost like Casper? I don't want to see any ghost, so I'm going to take the wind. The wind can be kind of relaxing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo or Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Scooby-Doo. That's an easy one. I, I, I didn't really watch Sabrina that much, to be honest. I watched 
a little bit, but Scooby Doo was my shit. Like, I just <laughs> yeah, I think that Scooby Doo was my jam too. I think the only reason that I mentioned the Sabrina shit was because Netflix is getting ready to bring it back. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it because it looks like they're doing this an interesting like take on it. Yeah, it's not like pure children fodder. It doesn't seem. It seems like they're going with like a different kind of take on it, mm-hmm. which is exciting. So I just want to say that these open-ended questions that you've started incorporating are mad difficult. Like I yeah. feel like I feel like my brain is just like flooded with information when you ask those open-ended questions. No, I feel you. I just figure cutest kids costume. That's mm-hmm. that's hard. I would have said Black Panther. Too, I wanna sure. I wanna ask a follow-up. Uh, what is your favorite costume that you've worn? I struggled with this. I did you dress up like as a kid much? Like, um, uh, one year I was Batman. One year I was a Ninja Turtle. So all the cliche, like, yeah, I never, I never really had like a like a oh wow that's crazy kids costume. Um, and I've always aspired as an adult. <laughs> so one year for. <laughs> one year as an adult i didn't have a costume so at the last minute i was like all right fuck it i'm gonna be heisenberg but i'm one black and two you're already bald yeah i'm already bald <laughs> so like it so it was like... it was really difficult to sell it and, and what's funny is it actually kind of came off more like i was uh, well, you could have just put on like a, like a Mexican suit. field worker or something. I it was a last minute co- like when oh, I'm gonna get right, a hazmat right, suit right. as a last minute. Right. Um. So yeah, it came out looking not at all like what I had planned. Um. And I I've always struggled with like good costumes. Um. While being black, you know. Yeah, man. Which is why like Black Panther being such a hit. Like to see that little black kid in a black panther costume like he must have felt literally like no pun intended but so empowered this like superhero like he a superhero that actually did look like him i'm i'm so excited oh and um when we saw him it looks like his sister was dressed up as one of the like wakanda like warrior women which was just dope like it's so dope yeah i think that was cooler to me than the black panther costume because if if you if you are Something for Halloween that has a mask. Yeah, any, then, anyone could. Then it can be any... White kids could be Black Panther for Halloween and it wouldn't be disturbing or like like hard to identify what's going on. Like it might be a little awkward, but it wouldn't be that awkward. Um, it's it's significant. I remember one time I was at Barnes & Noble and I was at Barnes & Noble with you and a guy... I was just thinking about this. A guy asked me we were we were strolling through the graphic novel section and some guy asked me who i thought i would be if i was a comic book character and we both said batman because i can be kind of broody and um things about my personality are kind of Uh batman-esque and the guy said you can't be batman batman's white yeah he's like bat he's like he's like of german descent and you're 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 black and I was like, oh, okay, my bad. So I, I, I thought you were asking like a, like a question about like my personality, not my like, yeah, my like yeah. finish, my exterior. For sure. I, so I, I've never had to, to struggle with this because I'm like racially ambiguous enough yeah. that, I can, that I can be whoever I want. Um, but for sure, I can understand where 
yeah like being black like you have to you feel like you have to be a character that is also black because otherwise people won't recognize i don't feel it. like i have to be no, though i feel like i to. want to be yeah i'm just yeah yeah but i'm just saying like okay you wanted to be batman but you know what i'm saying or even heisenberg or whatever like mm, so i I've didn't seen... want to be those things it was just that those things were the things that were relevant which speaks to your point that like the things that tend to be relevant are, are, are tend to black, be like yeah. of of like uh, like white the, like the you know? costumes you know every year there's like trendy costumes right. and like i said the fact that this They're year i know that black panther is like a big deal and the wakanda um warrior women or whatever like is dope that yeah inclusivity is exactly what everyone was hype about when the movie came out yeah my I, so so i to me i imagine that t'challa in the full king garb yeah is, oh, yeah. is doper because he's a, a king you know what black, i mean like exactly. yeah no for that's sure. doper than good. the black panther costume and for it sure. looks good that that like outfit that he wears yeah it's dope it's dope, it's dope. Yeah, you it's could dope. get the little robot shoes and have people be like yo what yeah. are those <laughs> yeah yeah um so that is a is like something that i entertained doing for halloween this year as well as the thing that i always entertain for doing every halloween and never f am able to swing being Django. i knew you were gonna say that i i like you i like to buy, desperately like, want no costume to for do that, it so right you have to buy like real ass and like you, a coat and the you know. yeah exactly you see my my issue is that i'm not trying to do a costume i like if i'm doing django i'm gonna i'm like do it do it and i would rather like cosplay it like i want the corduroy coat I, you, yeah. I want the like the boots the gun belt the hat the scarf like i'm not trying to fuck around and so and, and i just want to make sure that i come up like not django when he's dressed up looking like napoleon bonaparte <laughs> Yeah, of no, France, yeah. like not in that little blue suit, because no, like yeah, I know, I know then you're gonna exactly. end up looking I, like Prince. I know exactly the like outfit that you're referring to. If I could afford, because to so that same point about getting something really authentic, a costume that I think that I would love to do this year is Maeve from Westworld. But you know, to have one of those really authentic like those dresses that she wears when she you know back when she was like running the the brothel. Yeah. Yeah yeah or or it would be really dope if you had like the 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 makeup department capacity to like do Maeve with the slit down her neck and her torso like oh my god well, she's like laying on the table yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right, spoilers again for anyone <laughs> my bad that isn't there if, yet uh, you're watching it although um, although if you've if you've not caught up to westworld say, at this point get 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 it the fuck together not only that but like we didn't say anything it's so it doesn't it's no, so no, no 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 even if i it's did so even if yeah. i spoiled that shit you need to fucking catch up i'm just saying that i'm just saying anyway uh, we, yeah, we, we've got things to talk about so last episode last episode we talked about you know when is okay to call yourself an artist and when is the right time and if if there is such a thing as a right time or if you should just dive into it, it and and uh i think we came to the conclusion that if you're out here creating it, you, free game you know do your thing because like you can't devalue art some you, whatever it is that you might do might not sell the four millions of dollars or be posted up in the guggenheim or anything like that but the art is relative 
So you've made your art, right? Then what? You, you, the goal is, if you become an artist, that your art has to be worth something of value. Or maybe not has to be, but you want it to be. You want to make a living as an artist. So how do you do that? Um, I'm a filmmaker. You're a graphic designer. And this is probably the prime directive of our lives right now. It's like the number one thing that we are trying to figure out as individuals is how do we do, how do we make a living doing what it is that we love to do? Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about your process trying to make inroads as a graphic designer and a writer and so on. So um, I guess I'll provide a little bit of background information as to how I even got here. Um, I actually went to school, I went to the University of Florida, um, and I majored in journalism. And one of the great things that I think about my, co my college in particular um, at UF was that they really encouraged you to, to like dip into some other fields in the communications field. So even if you're studying, like there was a lot of crossover if you were studying advertising versus journalism versus design or whatever there was a lot of like crossover classes and they encouraged you to sort of dip you know into the waters of those other like subfields. um so I took one class in college that was a design related class and it was it was more of a like publication design like the class was we studied we used InDesign as the program and we basically had to learn how to do layouts for newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing um from there basically when I when I graduated I was like yeah so like reporting and and writing for newspapers and that kind of thing isn't what I saw for myself anymore and so I got more into marketing I started working for Zoo Miami and when I started working for Zoo Miami I was given quite a bit of creative freedom to ex to you know explore the ways that I could contribute to my position there and I started just experimenting with graphic design through Photoshop and Illustrator and all of these other programs that they provided for me. So I didn't have to, because like, I remember my parents, I, I wanted to get into it. And my parents got me Photoshop for Christmas because back then you had to like get the disc that was like kind of expensive. Um, whereas now it's like a creative cloud service. Yeah. Back then. And so actually that's, that's actually, I'm sorry to cut you off, but, um, I, you you just raised a really interesting point that I think is worth bringing up that will provide some context and color to the conversation. Um, where once upon a time, professional tools cost professional money. So like, like you had mentioned, Photoshop mm -hmm. used to be a disc that cost X amount of money. Mm -hmm. It might at, have been like a couple hundred dollars or right, something like that. Like an amount of money that could have theoretically been inaccessible to someone who was just a hobbyist right or even less than a hobbyist just a consumer not less than but just a consumer mm -hmm. it, this, the same is the case for say final cut pro 7 a long time ago final cut pro 7 was priced outside of the consumer price range because final cut pro as it used to be was a professional piece of software for professionals right as a result it was it was priced accordingly and only certain people had access to it accordingly. Now, Final Cut Pro is like $200 in the Apple Store on Mac. Mm -hmm. And Premiere Pro, video editing softwares, 
it, it, Premiere Pro is part of the Adobe Creative Cloud, which you pay a, a certain amount of money, a, a totally accessible amount of money a month to get access to. And this is all part of this movement that technology has afforded everyone of having access to prosumer, as they're called, tools. Things that used to be able to, things that provide a professional quality or right. a professional level of polish and finish are available for consumer level prices. And as a result, professionals then become in competition with consumers who are after the same market share. So like, is that is that something that you deal with as a graphic designer and a writer or anything like that? As in competition with... Yeah, it, well, so it, you may not be in competition with them, but the fact that Creative Cloud is as cheap as it is affords you the ability to work as a freelance graphic designer now mm -hmm. because you you can afford to get access to that market mm -hmm. correct right yeah for sure um i and and it's been a it's been a sort of a gradual thing too because i i think that even the way that creative cloud is now is not the way that it was when it first started because i used to have to i think i i started out with like a small bundle where i only had photoshop and illustrator and then now it's more even more accessible and you can get the whole creative suite you can literally have all of the programs for not a totally unreasonable price and so i've been able to yeah like like oh wow like i would have never even thought to spend my money and get this program but now i have it and therefore i can like expand on my expertise and my skill set and um, appeal to, to different clients and different projects. There's no question that Adobe is getting one over on all of us because the subscription model means that you never stop paying for yeah, this forever. thing. So my whole if, life I'll if, be paying. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you, you used to, where you used to pay, let's call it $500 for Photoshop, if that's what it was, that's an arbitrary number really. You'll pay that $500 and then some indefinitely until you're not using their software anymore. So, I mean, that, that kind of sucks, but it's, it's a, it's a deal that any professional is likely willing to make given again, the accessibility, because if you didn't have access to it, if it was priced out of your range, you might not be able to do this work at all. Dude. I mean, think about it. Like two of those programs, Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop, if it was that I had to, because the other appealing thing about it is not just, yeah, that you continue to have access, but you continue to have the newest, most upgraded version of that um, program because it's a cloud service. So literally it'll just say, okay, your update is ready. But like if, if it was, and for all of them, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. if it was that I was saying, all right, well, all I can afford right now is Illustrator and Photoshop. And then they came up with another one next year. I'm gonna have to buy it for the hundreds of dollars Again. every year anyways because yeah you do have to keep up and be able to compete with people that have the newest programs you mm -hmm. know so you can't you can't have outdated programs anyway so like that mm -hmm. that is the appealing part of it to me like i can i can open it up the next day and say oh wow i have all these new tools like now i i, I can use this program for even more right so right so when it, you when you think of it as like you're paying for it forever it sounds it's right. It sounds like they're kind of screwing you over. But it's actually to to our advantage. Yeah, for sure. For but, sure. Yeah, I I I I agree completely, wholeheartedly. I remember 
when I was a kid wanting to learn how to edit video and stuff like that, like long before I had gone to college and that kind of thing. And I graduated college in 2006. So, which, wow, it was a long time ago now. Um, but back then, access to that kind of stuff, like, like it was exorbitantly priced. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just it existing in this capacity means that I, the pressure on me, the pressure on my capacity to earn is diminished significantly because right now I'm in a place where I am, I don't have like clients banging down my door trying to get work from me. So it affords me the freedom and the capacity to learn on my own time and yeah. maximize my freedom it's it's very similar to what you did with the zoo where you told them honestly i i'm not working here no more but i can still help you all out so i'm a contractor now you can and contract clients, that worked right? out to me right yeah so i guess it there's there's this interesting dynamic though right because of this democratization and the price of access to the field. Now, that means that there are vastly more people competing in that field than previous. And as such, there are also more people looking for that kind of work. So where before, if you wanted a certain level of video production you were like a film studio or you know a tv network or something like that and now real estate real estate, like realtors can look for that kind of level of video production you know what i'm saying because mm -hmm. if you want to if you want like a cinematic video for your listing as a realtor you can reach out to one of the several hundred of video production professionals in the area and have them be on speed dial to shoot your listings for oh, yeah, you. Yeah, the pool is more crowded. <laughs> Significantly. So imagine yourself in this like hypothetical future, right? Where you are earning a salary or not a salary, but you're making a living. Right. Because... It, I mean, a lot, a lot of the um, perspective on freelance employment is that it's kind of a feast or famine strategy where you're either eating and <laughs> all day, like every day, like shit is good or you're out here starving because there's just no work coming in. Mm -hmm. So just imagine that you've managed to get a steady stream of clients. There's work coming in and you and your family are good, right? And then all of a sudden the tools with which you use to do your work become significantly more affordable. And the pool of people who do work in that field then becomes even more saturated than it previously was. Right. Realize now that this pool is likely becoming saturated by people who aren't as good as you at what you do and also don't have as many clients as you do because they probably never did it to begin with so what they're doing in order to get an opportunity is undercutting your prices 
dramatically in order to build a portfolio to some degree did you did you have to do that or do you expect to have to do that as you grow as a freelancer um i would definitely say that i even now that i'm probably undercutting i guess other designers other people in in my fields and other people that do what i do because yeah like when you're not as experienced yet or you you know or when you're desperate for work and you just like are trying to get more clients yeah you're gonna say okay well what's the easiest way to get clients make it cheap you you know that works you know and i think I certainly know that it's not sustainable. <laughs> you start mm-hmm. off that way and you know that you're not going to be able to maintain it that way if you want to make a living out of it. But I feel like everyone is at least tempted to start off that way. Like maybe some people don't have to. Maybe they're just their work is just so great and they just played their cards right and they got clients and charged them like, you know, what they should have been. But I think a lot of people take me, for example, I basically quit my job. I said, yeah, I'll take you on as a client now. So I have them as a client. But then like you quit your job, you're not making the same money you used to. Now you're saying I want to be a freelancer. And then when the bills hit you, and you realize like all of these other things that you you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you get kind of desperate. And you're like, let me just charge, you know, this much just to just to get some work just to build up my portfolio so I can show other people. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's kind of like the the nature of so of starting out so like let's say you're charging half the price it again this is arbitrary but let's say you're charging half the price of what a more experienced designer would charge do you suspect that you any one of your potential clients is getting only half the work of what a more experienced designer would provide not necessarily. I mean, uh, no, no. I, I, okay, when so you say not me, necessarily, like hypothetically. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm charging half of what I know another designer would charge, I'm not. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think there might be in your head there might be a little bit of a voice that's saying like you're not making that much. Like, how much time are you really gonna spend on this? You know what I'm saying? Um, but on the other hand, most of the time, the voice that like takes over is saying you have to make this as good as possible because this is really for your portfolio anyways. And you want them to be so happy that you get like a referral or something like that. But for sure, like I've, I've, I'm, I'm sure I've been in the position before where you're doing something for free or you're doing something that you're not charging that much for. And after a certain amount of work, you start to say like, is this even worth it? Like, how much of my time and energy am I really going to put into this? And that's why it's not sustainable, you know, because with with work in the creative field where you need the client to give feedback and stuff like that, you have, you can put limitations on it, but a lot of the time you don't know how long it's going to take because what if they're, they're, you know, I need another tweak, send it back again. I need, I right. need this. And it just keeps getting prolonged until you're like, okay, like, is this worth the money that I'm asking for? Right. But I guess what I mean is, are you if you if you're charging half the price of of like what a more experienced designer would charge would you would you say that you are half the designer that this more experienced person is i don't i don't know how to answer that question but do you understand why no, i'm asking I, that I know, question I get, I get you like is it that i just value myself as half of what this designer is well it's just like that designer is probably capable of doing things that you either have not yet learned to do yeah. or that they've become second nature to when you really have to like like 
devote all of yourself yeah. to just do the most rudimentary yeah. version of something that they do off the cuff. Yeah, I mean, and certainly with experience, that's why a lot of freelancers and graphic designers and even photographers or whatever, like when you start to learn how to streamline your process and when you start to learn how to just get better, that's why you're like, all right, it's time for me to start charging more. So I guess in a way, yes, like I, I charge the way that I charge now and I'm, I was cheaper even back when I first, first started, you know what I'm saying? So like I, you charge the way that you think, honestly, I think you charge the way that you think like other people will value you. Right. Right. So imagine for a, a, a moment in this hypothetical future that we, that we laid out a moment ago that, uh, you are this established artist now and there are people coming into the field that can't do what you do mm -hmm. but they're charging less than what you do but the tools have that that you use have become so ubiquitous so accessible that the people who are looking for this kind of work the clients how how often do you think these clients are able to discern the ways that you as the professional do something that is superior to these novices in the field i think that a lot of the time i mean obviously it's it depends on who you're dealing with it depends on you know what kind of clients you're dealing with if it's like a big company then they probably have like a standard but if you're yeah if you're going to like lower level clients then a lot of them probably don't know the difference or a lot of them will only see the price and they won't consider what the difference is, but they'll just say, you know, they have a budget or they have like a price in mind. And then you might meet that price. But then if someone else is even cheaper, they might be like, well, you're just going to you're just going to go for the cheaper. It's like when you when you go to it's like going grocery shopping, there are like some things that you'll look at and you'll say this. I'm not getting generic, but some people don't mind. And some people just buy the generic brand of everything because it's cheaper and some people don't care. So it's up to taste. Yeah. As a filmmaker, I can speak on this for sure, because I know for a fact that in film circles, we can be very snobby, snobbish mm -hmm. about all sorts of things. Like, I mean, so for example, one of the things that you that happens with um, cameras when you shoot at like a certain frame rate, your shutter speed needs to be a certain amount that is consistent with the frame rate that you're shooting. And if you don't have it set up that way, the motion blur that you get in your camera when you, when you shoot like that will be different than usual mm -hmm. and it will feel different. Now, most clients outside of the film arena don't have an eye trained to identify that issue at the end of the day, all they'll see is slow motion and it might feel a little funny. They might not be able to put their finger on what it is that's different, mm -hmm. but there's something different. And and that's with shooting slow motion or regular speed. It doesn't matter. Like whatever frame rate you're shooting, your shutter speed needs to be something proportional to that frame rate. And if it's not, something happens with the image. And when it happens, like you, you can do it, it doesn't look good. It's not, but it's not like the screen's going to be black when you do it. Like it, it doesn't damage the image. You still get an image. It just, right. it just, it, people who know what they're looking for will be able to see it and say, oh, this is what you did. And this is not ideal unless you did this on purpose. 
And if you didn't, it's a mistake. However, someone who doesn't, who's not trained to identify that issue will look right past that issue. They'll never know the difference. They just, it, they just can't tell. And if someone who doesn't do that because they know charges $5,000 more than someone who doesn't know not to make that mistake, if budget is the only factor, they'll buy from the person who is making that mistake every time. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that's common. I mean, it, usually the people who are the most stuck up, for lack of a better term, about any one thing in a field are the people in the field, you know? Well, yeah, of course. The clients don't really know the of difference. Course. At the end of the day, all they want is the information. What they're really caught up in is is story. Does this tell the story? And and then and then secondary is does this look sufficiently professional? I mean, I, think about how many bad commercials you see on TV. Like like what? Oh my god! <laughs> imagine <laughs> one of the one of the one of the most incredible things that I can think Those of. Local commercials. Local. Are the best. Co- just when you're best. watching national television and a local commercial comes on, it's almost like someone grabbed you by your lapels and started shaking you violently because it just it to me everything stops and I just get so wrapped up and absorbed my used car shop in how bad I, and it is. They, they just do the corniest stuff. And and see that's what I'm talking about, right? Because clients that are only local, they are obviously going to have a certain budget as compared to a client that's like on right. national television, so their standard is lower yeah. and i think that this this is this is a thing that affects a lot of potential clients like thought process too is this better than what i know you know what i'm saying so if let's say let's say a, a restaurant or something has a little instagram or they just you know what i mean and, and they just they just want to like put pictures up and they're taking pictures on their camera phone and they look really shitty and they're just putting those up and someone comes to them and the quality is like a little bit better than that. They might be like, oh, wow, well, compared to what I have, this is really impressive. And they might not think to look like better than that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So mm-hmm. if it's if it's like professional in comparison to what they can do themselves, mm-hmm. they're impressed. Right. Photography is another one, too. You find people who like like there's just it clients just don't know how to discern the difference between what is and isn't good at all often you like how many restaurants are there out there that like take pictures of their food and put it on an instagram and it just doesn't it it, it, like like there's so much to it right because some people think uh, yeah like there's so much that goes into photography especially like food photography i think because you there's like the composition there's you know what i'm saying yeah lighting and i mean it's food so you want it to look there's there's like some foods that just don't photograph well of course of course like if you if you run like no disrespect to you if you run like a caribbean food truck like a roti food truck or something like that but like like, you're never going to take good pictures of that food food. (laughs) it's going to taste better than every other food truck in your proximity yeah a lot of those like the the pictures are never going to look amazing has a lot of gravy type thing doesn't look good anyways yeah i think that um yeah, I think that some people just think, oh, this looks better than, like, what I can do. So, like, cool, I'll pay you. This this actually, I don't want to get too off track here, but this actually brings up another interesting thing about, say, these, like, prosumer 
programs and I'm realizing that this has a lot to do with the reason that I started doing it but it also gives access to people to do it themselves like I I actually I think that that's a lot of the reason why I started getting into graphic design because I worked in marketing and I actually remember that um, while I was working at the zoo as like the marketing coordinator, um, we had an intern and at the time I wasn't doing that much graphic design. I knew like a little bit of how to work the programs, but she was pretty good. Um, She was great. And she actually taught me a little bit of what she knew. And when she left, I was kind of like, damn, like we left, you know, like we don't have this person to do this graphic design anymore. Like I'm going to have to be that person because to get approval to spend money on like an outside graphic designer for like a little project just seemed you know like unnecessary so you say you know what this pro like people myself included because eventually i got them for myself for personal projects you might say why am i going to pay someone else to do this like i'm sure i can just figure this out mm-hmm. and if it's not that expensive to get the program that's what you're gonna do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that there's, that's actually a really interesting for sure um there's no way around results of these of the prosumer like market you you raise a really good point i so there's this guy on instagram and youtube his name is parker walbeck he runs on like this online film school or something like that called full-time filmmaker and he has been running this promo for um for real estate videography how to shoot it and stuff like that it's this class that he has i've been seeing it on my instagram all week and one of the things he says in his instagram is real estate videography is something that a lot of realtors want and but he he diverges from talking to filmmakers and he says a lot of real estate agents don't know what kind of camera equipment to use Mm -hmm. to get something that looks sufficiently quality and cinematic and that blew my mind because to say that means that you're talking directly at realtors and not people who want yeah. to get into filmmaking and that's a that's a really fire marketing strategy for a class on how to shoot real estate videos because if you are a realtor that can do that yourself and not have to send that money out you can do that for every single one of your listings whether it's the 25 million dollar one or the 2500 I'm sorry the 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 250,000 dollar one yeah. and that changes the game yeah I am totally so it's funny because I think that I I sort of stand on like both sides of the fence with this particular part of the conversation because as a professional graphic designer you know it's scary to think like other people might just be like you know what I'm not gonna pay you I'm just gonna do it myself like I hate to think that but I am that person for everything like I am a very I'll learn how to do it myself person even with like web design i know i'm I'm not like you know super there's obviously people that have like crazy talents with web design but like when i started doing other projects when i started a blog or when i started you know my yoga business and stuff like that and i said to myself i need a i need a website but like i don't have that much money i'm not i like i the the thought of having to pay someone else i'm like i'm sure i can just figure this out and that's me for for almost anything like i'll just i'll just say if there's a program i will teach myself how to use it to to at least do what i need to do and once you figure out what you need to do you're like damn i could probably do this yeah and that's me because that's like i actually like it enough to do it for other people but some people might get the programs and just do it for themselves right a lot of people do that yeah well i think it's i think it's also really fascinating though when 
I mean, this is not a deal breaker for the business of being a freelance anything because the amount of people out there who think they can design a website and then go and design a website and it looks or works like dog shit mm -hmm. from the presentation to the UX, I'm, I'm sorry, the user experience, mm -hmm. like there are the Dunning-Kruger effect is in full effect with a lot of people who overestimate how easy something is all the time. Of course. They look at, they, they like just, they look at like a, a sunset and say, God, this is beautiful. And then they hold up their cell phone and just hit the shutter button to try to capture that moment without manipulating because like cell phone cameras can take kind of amazing pictures mm -hmm. and they're super limited in relation to what uh, uh, other like bigger heavy heavier lifting kind of cameras can do mm -hmm. but you can get something better than nothing by using your cell phone but you may have to manipulate a setting or something like that but there's no way that you just hold your phone up and then hit the shutter button and assume that the camera will be able to figure out how to take the best version of this picture. The The artificial intelligence and cameras and autofocus and all this stuff is increasingly getting better, but you have to have some kind of input somehow. And people consistently think, I remember when I was a kid, one of the best examples of this, I, before I knew anything about photography, um, I saw, I was on a camping trip with my dad the moon was up and it was huge in the sky. And I told my dad that I wanted to borrow his camera to take a picture. And he was like, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to have to like change some things. Yeah. And I was like, man, just get, just give me the camera. Like, Cause you, you think it's going to look like what you see. Right. Because like, <laughs> to me, like the camera captures moments. So all I had to do, my job as the photographer was to identify the moment <laughs> and then click. And that's like not at all what anyone the job of ever <laughs> tried to take a picture. If you're not like a professional with a professional equipment, you've ever tried to be like, wow, the moon is so beautiful. Or even sunsets. Especially it's the, it's, and with it's just, camera phones. It's just the most frustrating, but at the same time, a lesson in just appreciating like what it is that what photographer it is just do. Yeah, like, like <laughs> it, it, you just holding see this up tiny little speck of light in the sky is what it looks like on a, on a, yeah, on a it's out of focus camera, and yeah. it, 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 it just, you really come to respect so something I, I, by trying and realizing how badly you failed yes, in relation to the professionals. I think that that's true. I think it's interesting that because of these prosumer products that people can say, I mean, look, you have like creative cloud, which means you could pay whatever the monthly fee is, you know, right. have it for a month, try it out. And a matter of fact, less, because I'm pretty sure that they all come with like free trials. So any, anyone can like download the products, see, see if it's for them. And then you can decide it's not, right. which is crazy. Those products used to be so, so expensive crazy. and now you can just take them all home, just download them all onto your computer and try them out for free and then say, yeah, yeah I think I can do this or, or nah, like thanks for the free month. But right. So one of the things that's super interesting about this dynamic to me is is not one of like, it's not like a technical concern. It's an ethical concern. Because if you are in this hypothetical future that we've established, you're paying for the food that you put on the table for you and your kids and that kind of thing. 
and the price of the software or the hardware because like in some instances now there are cameras that are out like i just bought one i just bought a sony a7 III, which is a camera that's two thousand dollars that can deliver an image that to a casual observer is indistinguishable between that of cinema cameras it, it, again like you would need to be a professional to some degree to notice how this thing isn't that and that means that I can start to build a portfolio and, and, and get material that puts me in competition with those people. They're better network than I am, but I charge, I'm way less expensive than they are because I'm not as networked as they are. So if you're in this hypothetical future where you've got kids and you're paying for the house, the mortgage, the food and everything on this lifestyle, on this business that you've built. And now through the democratization of software and hardware, you have competition who is coming in and undercutting your business and taking your business from you. Do you think as the professional at your level that there should be some kind of strategy or approach or, or measurement of ethics on how much they can undercut your business? Should, should there be some kind of like basement beneath which it's against the law to charge? Like a minimum, not a minimum wage, but a minimum charge. <laughs> yeah. Like what's, what's the answer? Because that, that kid that's 18 years old and never had a bill in their life and had some rich parents who would otherwise pay for their bills that could like afford to get them a creative cloud account or a $2,000 camera and is all of a sudden stealing your work and charging I mean a fraction of what you would otherwise charge for it yeah is going to put you out of house and home so i have a hard time with this because as much as i can sympathize with that hypothetical version of me um that that like is making a living off of this and is having to compete with amateurs basically that have the same stuff that i do that are undercutting me um and putting me out of business I don't want to say that that's necessarily like just a foregone conclusion like that. That's just what it's going to lead to, because I think that what these prosumer tools do and this accessibility and, and you know, it's it's kind of like it just brings a starting point a little bit closer for people. And that's how I have to start. So I think it's hard for me to say that you have to, like, tell people what they can charge because it's not fair. I really I mean, it, and if I'm at that level, that means that I'm probably working with clients that understand the, the like quality of work and experience that I have as compared to people that, that don't. I actually I actually disagree. I, I think we just spent a bunch of time outlining the ways that clients may not be able to tell that difference. I think what will I think what the advantage that you would have over any of these people is your network. And most people don't want to have to work with someone new. They would rather work with someone that they know and are comfortable with. And that's like, it will be very hard if you have a great working relationship with someone for someone to walk away from doing business with you when you deliver all your work on time, when you are consistently delivering quality for that, for that client to walk away from doing business with you for someone who is doing it dramatically cheaper and is a novice and doesn't have the material to showcase that they can do it is a very 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 hard sell i it, i mean 
push comes to shove, they'll leave. But it it's going to have to be that, a really strong. You're push. saying that that client, like my clients, hypothetical in the in the hypothetical situation, my clients will stick with me because they yes. work with me. So, and that's kind of what I'm saying though. Like I know that working for for like dirt cheap is not sustainable. So those people are not going to be able to keep that up. What they're going to have to do is raise their prices. And then what a person might be more inclined to just pay to just know what the price is up front and stick to that, knowing it'll be consistent, even if it's a higher price than to say, oh, you're going to charge me for this. But then the next time it's always going to keep getting higher. And I am not getting this, the, the like efficiency of work, because that's one thing, even if you have like a natural talent, learning these programs and just having a, a like process, a creative process over time is is where you start to like streamline and you become more efficient you learn how to do things faster faster turnaround times you get to know your clients and you know what they're looking for you know what their style is you know what their voice is like all of those things are what you pay more for right, right. you know and so the other thing is too and this is an analogy or this is a, a field that i've used to, to imagine this and frame this discussion a lot is like aerial photography right once upon a time Aerial photography used to be ridiculously expensive because in order to get it, you needed a helicopter. Right. And now you need a drone, which you can get for as little as like 500 bucks, depending on how old your drone, it, it, how old of a drone you're willing to buy. So there, the, the ethical dilemma doesn't just work on the side of the um, plucky up and comer. It also works on the side of the professional because as the tools to do something become significantly cheaper it is also unethical to continue to charge exorbitant prices for something that costs you less and less over time mm -hmm. so i think there's just no way around it that that as the prosumer movement makes the tools of professional quality art making or media creation Mm -hmm. as as it gets cheaper and cheaper to make these things the the value of the business just decreases along with it yeah which is bad for creators but also hopefully like with the supply will come the demand and and and, and an increasing number of people will need graphic design yeah. photography yeah. video film so on the the creative the accessibility of the products and the programs and all of that, I think, makes this a very interesting time to be in the creative field. You know, even even the access to information, like even the access of learning how to use these programs. Like I just started using Skillshare. This is not an ad because I know Skillshare. <laughs> Skillshare, like sponsors a <laughs> lot of a lot of like podcasts and YouTube videos. Right. But I literally just got the trial version of Skillshare and it's like something like $15 a month and I have access to like actual professionals teaching actual classes and teaching me how to use these programs. So even that, even if you didn't go to school, like college to get a degree in graphic design or photography or whatever, you have access to like classes and information for again, some like subscription service that is, my whole life is about to be run on, on like subscription services, yeah. I swear, yeah. like... So sign up for Skillshare with the promo code DTM pod. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I wish. <laughs> I um, wish they were paying us to. I would endorse them too. And, and like the classes that I've been taking on there are are really good. And they're like, 
again, like I've, I've taken a couple classes and already I'm like, okay, cool. Like I've learned some new skills that I can use to charge people more money because right. now I know. Yeah. But you see, and you see, that's the other thing too. I think it has always been the case and it, it seems it will always be the case that making a living as a creator is never going to be as straightforward as going to college, getting a degree, maybe getting a master's as the market becomes flooded with degrees and finding a job and then hoping that that job won't lay you off. And so the story goes, it's never going to be as straightforward. Working in the creative field, you mean? Working in the creative field. Like you're going to have to investigate and explore all of the different ways to earn a living, including putting a class on Skillshare, signing up for Patreon, running Kickstarter campaigns, I just building a social media audience. And, and, and it's unfortunate because these are all things that a lot of artists are very uncomfortable doing. I know a lot of artists who are super introverted and are totally uninterested in creating social media accounts and building an audience that they're like, that's just the last thing that they would rather do. Like they want to express themselves, but they want to express themselves through their and still be introverted. They don't want to express themselves in faux extroversion in the name of being able to try. Yeah. The word, even the word like marketing makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. For sure. Yeah. I think, um, I, I really do. I'm, I'm like, I'm actually getting a little like excited even saying it. I think it's, a lot of it is super daunting, especially I'm fortunate because I am a professional in the field of marketing. So it doesn't make me uncomfortable as much as it would another person. But even then, because I'm marketing myself and I have to, you know what I'm saying? Like it is hard. It is hard to, to do the networking. And a lot of these, these articles that you read about how to make it as a freelancer or how to, you know, networking is a huge part of that. Go out, meet people. And I'm like, meet people. (laughs) I don't even want to leave my house. Like, you know, and, and you're right. A lot of that comes with the creative minded people like that introversion. But I think it's a really interesting and exciting time to be working in the, in the freelance um, industry and in like a creative field. It's, it's certainly the best time because companies have exposed themselves is not particularly interested in the destiny of their people. So like, If it is that, and that's the one thing that I can say with confidence about freelancing is that to me, at least you will be dealing with things on your own terms instead of like investing your time in a company to then find that 25 years into being with that company, they're going to lay you off because they have to meet their fiscal quota for that year and, and, and slash your, your retirement package in quarter and yep. in in quarters and give you only one of those quarters and tell you good luck and send you packing they like comp- <laughs> that was such a bleak depiction of working for a company but you're right it, lot, it, it mean, happened to it, is- it happened to a lot of people that i know and love um companies have exposed themselves i it's mean it, they're just and look when you start a company you're not getting into the gold watch business unless you're getting into the gold watch business but once upon a time companies used to give you a gold watch and send you off into retirement and they're just not doing that anymore no no it's i i um yeah I, especially for us as like millennials i know that freelancing and working for yourself and entrepreneurship and that kind of thing is on the rise it's like a really big concept for a lot of people because you're right. Like a lot of companies have exposed themselves. This like scheme of like go to college, 
you know, get your degree and get a, get a corresponding job that you're going to work for like this many years until you can do this. Like having it so late, it just doesn't work for a lot of people. It's not it's a flexible a enough plan. <laughs> because you got to take out student loans to get that degree. And then you got that degree and then you figure you got a job. But then you don't got a job because everyone else has degrees and the market is saturated. Or you saturated. got a job and then you lose your job and then right. you know you're not prepared not... to do anything. Yeah, it's it doesn't work out for a lot it's of people. A raw for, deal. for a lot of people, it does, especially depending on what you do. If you work, if you're like in in business or in accounting or something, then yeah, like work. You know what I mean? Like sure. So, sure. But um, as far as working in a creative field and and I can say, and I, I'll I'll sort of like end my little spiel here. But I can say that having worked um, in the same field, basically, for a company and now for myself, um, just not having such a rigid structure is a really interesting concept to a creative-minded person because having to be told you have to sit here from this this hour to this hour and only eat during this oh you're not hungry too bad this is the only chance you have to eat like stuff like that can really hinder your creative process like sometimes i even even for you know a client like i'll i'll be like 10 o'clock p.m and i'm like wait i have an idea and then and that's my creative moment and and i have every right and every freedom to use that opportunity when i have it but it could be 10 a.m and i could be feeling like i'm just staring at the computer and i can't you know what I mean? Like, I just can't get into that mind space to work. And yeah, having that flexibility is, is like everything. Yeah. When I you're mean, a creative you, Your person. office can be at Starbucks today, at Target tomorrow. At a park, at, at whatever, yeah. you know, like wherever you need to, when, whenever and however and, however and wherever you need to find your, your inspiration and, and like get into your creative um, mindset is, yeah, working, working freelance is like, it's hard. It's hard as shit yeah <laughs> it's it's not, i don't want to make it sound like romantic like it's it's hard well there's a romance about it for sure no, it but is. it's not easy and yeah. and the hard part is like the you know what i hate? getting the work have you ever like seen those articles i feel like i see them i used to when i used to use snapchat those little news things that's like why i quit my job to to just you know travel the world and and teach yoga or whatever and some people do that but like come on man that it's it's way harder than i think a lot of it's it, a lot of like people make it seem to be yeah like like, like when yes jules is like <laughs> it's like just just quit your job and live your best life like, like do do what i'm fuck you or it's or you know or you know simple. oh my god i'm gonna i'm just gonna yeah i'm gonna outline some of my pet peeves here but i've seen a lot of people that'll say oh okay guys today i'm taking questions on entrepreneurship and freelance life and what it's really like like tell me your questions and i'll tell you how i got to where i am right and then when people are when people ask legitimate fucking questions like, you know, um, how do you know when to quit your job to, to pursue this or how do you how do you make money or how do you do this? And their answer is some bullshit answer like just be your best self. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> what did you do? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying everyone's plan will work for someone else, but don't make it sound like you just you know woke up like this yeah like you just quit your job and everything fell into your lap and you're just so lucky and everyone can do unless unless that's what it was and if that's what it was be honest if your parents paid for that exactly. then say so say, I if was you were lucky. hot and you had a social media presence that because like your butt was round then say so yeah man like like own up to what whatever your thing is so that other people don't look at you and say what am i doing wrong 
You know what I'm saying? Like right. I'm working and I, I'm not getting the same. And everyone's path is different. Like everyone's timeline is different. Some people might be mad extroverted and well connected. And that's, that's why networking worked for you. And that's how you got cl your clients and stuff like that. But everyone's, everyone's like way to get there is, is different. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my little rant about no, I'm like not how about people it. That portray people portray like freelance life or... yeah yeah anyway i uh i think we've talked our lungs out on this issue man and i feel really good about this it this felt kind of therapeutic to talk about i'm not gonna lie it, yeah right as a freelancer it can be um was it you that was watching a video recently that was talking about like what life is like as like a youtuber and the guy was saying how it can be kind of lonely yeah like, it was peter mckinnon oh peter mckinnon who you like he was talking about being lonely because he's so like friendly and extroverted. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, like so, like being a freelancer, especially you know, you work from home, you don't have coworkers, so to speak. So it can't. That's that's another thing. Like sometimes you don't have someone else to to like vent about like what that life is like. Right. Yeah. So, for sure. So yeah. Um. Any any other thoughts on this, or are we outroing? <laughs> I guess I guess the only thing that I can say is you know like if. If you're not happy with your job and you think that freelancing is, is just like quit your job and just live your best life, just travel. And I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. Fuck it, just do <laughs> it. Just, just move to a place where the cost of living is really cheap and live in a hut on the beach because like the American dollar is, <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Pay attention, work hard. And, and like, it's a struggle and un unless you're like super well connected. And if that's the case, then like, figure your shit out and then holler at me man i could use i could use extra work <laughs> um but yeah no nah, it's worth it um d working on your own terms is is the key to um i don't want to say it's the key to happiness because like it's not like you're going to be free you're going to work hard and You'll, struggle you might and work harder be it, depressed you, and cry there are no and, office hours and you are your own boss there's no sick days there's no <laughs> last line of defense like like the the only there's person no PTO. right <laughs> that's not a thing yeah the only person that's going to be wondering like where the the thing is or like why you're about to miss your deadline is your client and at that point you're fired and the work just doesn't come in anymore yeah yep, so yep. i mean if you can if you can deal with that then the freedom of being able to work on your own terms is absolutely worth it yeah so i think now we can hit the outro all right that that all being said um please don't forget to a send us your feedback whatever your thoughts are if you if you are a freelancer and you don't have anyone to talk to talk to us <laughs> you can you can tweet us um at down to mars pod or you can email us at down to mars podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear your thoughts and do not forget to subscribe we are wherever you're listening to us if it's apple or google or spotify or whatever please don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in like i said at the beginning we have some really cool concepts some really cool topics to discuss that are coming up and they're coming up soon like this, this week, week. This week we're dropping more episodes and then we'll we'll catch right back up next week as well. So holla at us, subscribe to us, listen to us again <laughs> next <laughs> episode. And um I think that's it. We'll catch you uh tomorrow. <laughs> we'll catch you like next episode. Soon. Soon. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>